Welcome back, everybody. We continue to roll all the way till 6 o'clock right here on the Big Talker 1700. Chris Andrews, the South Point Casino, is our guest right now. It's always great when we have a chance to uh, talk uh, wagering with Chris, uh, the head of the sports book at the South Point Casino. Chris, how are you? And my first question on that after you say hello is... Now, with what the Supreme Court has done legalizing sports betting across the country, how is this all going to play out, and how will Las Vegas be involved in your estimation? Well, first, let me say hello to you two characters. So, uh, hey, nice talking to you guys. Yeah. Again. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been a while, and Jim's already firing questions at you. I, I'm ready. Geez, oh, man. Yeah, come on. What was this, 60 minutes I'm on here, or what? <laughs> well, Brinson's uh, about as old as Morley Safer, so it could work. Oh, I, I, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I'm going to spare my comments. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the thing about this is, uh, well, God, I got a bunch of observations. I don't know where to start. But right now, there are a lot of experts out there. Uh, probably about 95% of them really don't know what the hell they're talking about. So I hope I can lend a little credibility uh, to, to the conversation. Uh, a lot of guys uh, I see kind of jumping in. And one of the things that we, we as operators have said from the beginning, we really need to see the regulations that, that are, you know, officially sanctioned by the state. And most importantly, we need to see the tax structure that uh, these states are trying to impose. Now, you guys know that I'm from uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, their tax structure at this point in time is completely unworkable. So nobody in our business is looking at Pennsylvania at all. Like I said, at this point, these, these things are all very fluid and can change. Uh, right now, it looks like... I think New Jersey's going to do it right because they've really been at the head, spearheading this fight. Uh, they've been out here a couple times. I've talked to them personally. They're regulators a couple times. I think they have an idea of how they want to do this and do this in the proper manner. But until they actually pass the regulations, we're going to have to see. I think Delaware, I would kind of put uh, probably not quite as uh, ahead of the game as uh, as New Jersey, but I think they're very close. Uh, Connecticut, uh, I, I, they've they've decided they're going to like put things off for a year because they really kind of want to do it the proper way, and they think it's going to take a year to get everything done. That might be a little long, but uh, I appreciate uh, their thoughts and efforts on how they want to handle this. And there's a lot of other states out there that uh, really we're just kind of doing our homework and trying to get caught up because there's a lot lot to look through. I'm certainly not a lawyer. But uh, I was pretty heavily involved when we wrote what's uh, Reg 22 here in in Nevada, which, uh, you know, I think I've told these other regulators that I have met with, I've told them, really, if you just copy and paste that and say, hey, we're done, I think that would be a really good way to go. Because we've been doing this a long time, and I think we have it uh, down pat pretty good. And there's no doubt about that, Chris, and people and states are going to be reaching out. I'm sure the other component that, that I wonder about, so we got a casino here in the Des Moines metro. It's over on the far east side of town, Prairie Meadows, and there's horse racing there, so I'm sure you, you've heard about it a time sure. or two throughout the years. But so is is a place like Prairie Meadows, are these casinos going to partner up with a, a shop like you guys, with the William Hill, with the CG, something like that? to just get the spreads from you guys, 
they handle the money, they'll move the lines. Is, is that an anticipation out for you guys in Vegas that that's the way it's going to go? Maybe not with every casino, but a lot of the casinos, that they're, what they're going to do instead of having, you know, basically a guy, a sportsbook director at each of these casinos across the state? Well, once again, we have to see how the regs are written because the way we've done it in Nevada, and I think it started, I want to say 88 is when, 1988, is when we started uh, allowing one licensee to go in and open a sports book inside the property of another licensee. And that really, that took a couple years to finally get done on how that works as far as commingling funds and, uh, you know, how to define uh, uh, employees and all that other stuff. So that, that took a little while, but, you know, like I said, we have it done here in, in Nevada, and it's worked really well once we kind of got everything straightened out. So we have to see how each of these states do it. Now, obviously, from the South Point standpoint, Point, and uh, you, know, so you might get some different answers from some of the other casinos, but we would like it like that, and uh, we would love to do business in you know, various jurisdictions around the state, uh, around the United States. Uh, you know, we have some irons in the fire, and I really don't want to speak out of school at this point in time. But that's the way we would like to do it: to go in as a licensee, and we can either do. Some sort of, uh, you know, a rev share, some sort of joint venture. Uh, we could pay rent. You know, there's a lot of variables uh, that we would uh, be forced to negotiate, and uh, that's the way we would like to do it. Now, some of these other places, I'm thinking like maybe MGM or the Boyd Group, they already have casinos in some of these various locations, so they would they could just pretty much operate fairly quickly. Uh, you know, once once the state uh, establishes whatever regs. And all that. One other thing, though, that, that people are just kind of ignoring at this point, we have the Wire Act that got uh, legislated. I want to say in 1961, and that's mm-hmm. a federal. That's a federal act. Now, there's been some. Uh, you know, they've kind of let it slide, and they have to write some special dispensations on it uh, for horse racing. At this point in time, that does not exist for sports books. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays into this. You know, so that really has not yet been addressed. So there may be a couple of sticking points uh, left in here. It's not it's not going to be nearly easy, as easy as some people think it's going to be. I think we'll solve all those problems, but it may take a little while. And the, the comparison I would make it to is: you remember when the internet really first, you know, started coming around, like in the late nineties, two thousand? We had all sorts of things like you know, e toys and uh, you know e-shopping, grocery shopping, and, you know, e-pets and all these things. Well, probably 99% of those guys are out of business, you know, and I think you're going to see a similar shakeout, uh, you know, eventually in the sportsbook business when a lot of guys are going to be jumping in. Many of them think they have all the answers because they read a sports page every once in a while and make an occasional bet, but they don't really have the expertise as far as running a sportsbook. There's a lot of things involved that I think that a lot of them has have totally overlooked, and uh, you'll see them jump in, and you'll see them fade out in a couple of years, and uh, some of the other guys will be left standing. I think we're going to be one of the ones left standing once it's all said and done. Chris, this really won't have that big of an impact on Las Vegas, right? I mean, Vegas is just too big. It's a destination place. People want to come, be in the sports book. And isn't the sports book betting itself uh, pretty small in comparison to what the casinos really do? 
Okay, let me answer the first part of that first. I think you're going to see in the very, very early years a little bit of an impact on things like the Super Bowl and uh, March Madness. So I think it'll be easier for people to stay at home rather than coming out because it really is a destination. We, we outdraw the Super Bowl two or three to one. And, I mean, it's kind of hard to say what we do with the NCAA because there's so many different venues in the NCAA and so many different ones out here, too. But you might see some people stay at home in the early years. However, I think over the course of time, we it will grow the business. All this uh, exposure to legalized sports gambling will will eventually make whatever the pie is now. It will double, triple, or whatever over the course of time. Uh, so that that's number one. I think it will hurt us a little bit at first. But not overall. And I'm sorry, Jim. What was the second part of your question? I forgot. <laughs> Boy, you're wordy today. I'll tell you. I am. No, I, know, I have a. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts in my head going on with this thing. <laughs> no, the the second part basically was after after that. Will people still? They'll still make Vegas then their destination uh, point. Is that correct? Yeah, there's there's no doubt we're, we're going to be a destination for a long time to come. You know, when when lots when Atlantic City came up, people thought it would really hurt Vegas, and you know, obviously that had no impact at all. Then we're seeing all these casinos throughout the United States, and our business has continued to grow. And like I said, it, it's just one of those things that I think uh, it's going to grow the market and. Uh, when it grows the market, we're going to be uh, the spearhead of that, and uh, you know we're going to get the, uh, an awful lot of those guys uh, that maybe don't want you know no offense to Prairie Meadows, but you know go there a couple times a year. That's great, but I think you're going to come to Las Vegas a few times a year too. Well, and and that's the the next component of this now, at least to be Chris. And there were plenty of people that would never, ever think about wagering with the bookie because it's illegal. And there's people that would never do it offshore because it's illegal. Now, with the legal ramifications taken away, how much do you expect this to explode? And we've already been brainstorming ideas here, obviously, on the radio side of things, you know, what we're going to do. As you know, Chris, I, I love talking sports wagering all the time, and but it's going to become even a bigger component when this is pretty much across the country, you know, upwards of 35 states, becoming legalized what more are you guys thinking about what more is this going to lead to you already have Vison there the studio set up right next to the sports book they have to be tickled pink but but what's next for you guys well right now we we do you know almost everything we want to do here in las vegas uh even even some things we're kind of forced into that we don't want to do. <laughs> Me personally, I'm talking about, I hate booking the draft. I hate uh. it, you know, but you kind of got to do it because there's a market for it and your competitors, you know, the guy across the street's doing it, so you sort of have to. You know, but I hate doing that. But there's a bunch of these, uh, things that, that we have really grown ourselves in the last few years. And I think that you'll see, you know, that trajectory continue but there's not much that we can really add to our product at this point in time but i do think you'll see guys you know like the south point i know you know westgate is looking at a few things and uh you know there's probably a couple other properties here in town that uh, you know william hill certainly one of them that uh looking in all these different jurisdictions and like i said uh we're we're a little more conservative here because we have well, because we have a casino that's so successful, you know, we don't want to jump into anything. And you know, not to knock the Westgate, they, you know, their sportsbook product's great, 
rest of the casino probably nowhere near as profitable as us, I hate to say. And then William Hill, of course, all they are is a sports book. Right. So they probably are a little more anxious than what, than what we are. We're taking our time and, uh, you know, we certainly would like to be in some of these other jurisdictions, but only if it's right for us. And, uh, I, like I said in the beginning, there's a lot of them that I don't think they're going to do it right. At least not in the beginning until they change some things when they find out they're not doing any business. All right, Chris. Uh, last night I watched the uh, hockey game, uh, Vegas and the Winnipeg Jets. The opening ceremony was absolutely spectacular. They 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 do it big in Vegas. There's no question. But they took shots of outside and people. You could see people. It felt like for miles uh, outside watching the game on big screens. I thought that everybody said, oh, pro sports, it'll never play in Vegas. There's too much to do. Nobody really cares. Hockey? Nobody here even knows what hockey is. Chris, explain to me, what the hell happened? <laughs> well, first of all, as far as like that showpiece that you saw in the beginning, Jim, they, they've been doing that from the beginning of the season. Now, it's varied over the course of time, and it's kind of, you know, uh, grown and changed and everything, but they have put on a spectacular show right from day one. And I think that whoever does the next franchise, you know, in any sport, really needs to come to Las Vegas and, and grill some of these guys and see how did you put all this together? Because it's really created an enthusiasm in this town. I, I mean, I'm, I don't want to be one of those naysayers that said it would never work, because I wasn't. I didn't know it would work this well, though. I mean, this is crazy. Uh, even, you know, my wife, uh, she's sweating the games. Uh, we're, we're watching it. And, uh, and of course, I'm, I'm being from Pittsburgh, I, I, you know, listen, I'm, I lament the days that they left Flurry uh, uh, to go in the expansion draft, but I we kind of all knew it was coming. But I'm rooting for Flurry now and the Vegas Knights, even though we get beat up pretty good uh, if they win. But I think I may have mentioned on your show before that you know my boss uh, Michael Gone. Once I kind of told him the figures, he says, "Ah, eh, hell with it, it's worth it." I hope they win. I said, "Okay, if you're okay with it, I am too." But it's really caught on, and I I've been to four games this year. It's almost impossible to get tickets at this point. But that crowd that you see, I mean, that's uh, I mean, it's really become a phenomenon here in town. I mean, it's its unbelievable. And even here, like at the South Point, I talked to my friends who run some of these other places. I mean, it's hard to get a seat in the sports book. Everybody wants to watch hockey every night. And, uh, you know, a year ago, uh, you know, it was kind of a fight every night, uh, you know, to get hockey on TV, even through the playoffs. You know, people wanted to watch basketball, baseball. There wasn't a whole lot of interest in hockey. There was some. We have a lot of people from out of town here. But now this has just grown so much that you just can't believe what's happening in this town. They just have fallen in love with this team, and the show's part of it. But believe me, a big part of it is the fact that they win, and guys bet on them and cash a lot of tickets betting on the Knights. Well, uh, that side of things probably didn't work out very well for you guys uh, at the books last night, and especially that final goal with two seconds left pushed it <laughs> over the total. Yeah. Was Chris Andrews singing the praises there, or uh, a little more frustration? Not only the Vegas wins, but you also hit an over. Well, that was funny how you know this business works. Our best scenario was the Knights and under. The worst scenario was the Knights by. More than one and a half, and the game went over. So you go from the best to the worst with two seconds to play in the game. But uh, 
You know, Brent, they're not getting any maiden here. I've been through this a lot of times. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, just one more time. It was uh, definitely not one of our better nights last night when I got the figures uh, texted to me. Chris Anders joining us for the South Point Casino Sportsbook Director. Chris, I got one more thing for you back to uh, the gambling component. And, and this is this is a pretty big one. Um, everybody has their hand out now. Everybody's looking for yeah. their piece of the pie. The buzzword is integrity fee. I think it's a joke. I'm sure I know your stance on it, but I'm just going to leave this open-ended for you. What do you hear? Integrity fee, what do you think? Well, I'm thinking, wherever they've been all these years, I mean, they had zero integrity in the NBA this past year. In fact, Gil Alexander, who's one of the VSIN hosts, talked about it every night and gave out, I mean, he was like 26-1 and or something like that, giving out games. And I'm not joking. You know, saying, here, these guys are going to tank. These guys are going to tank. And, uh, you know, he was calling a tank of Palooza, and he was right. That's the NBA. You know, we kind of thought about it in football this last year. Uh, and it's not so much the players, it's really management. Uh, so, like, the real decision makers and the ones that really stand to benefit by, you know, any fees that they get. And let's call it what it is. I mean, they're just looking, you know, it's like the mob. They want, uh, they want their piece of the action. But meanwhile, I saw where. Jersey is going to sue them for the millions that it's cost them over the years by them fighting this. And boy, I'll tell you, I sure as heck hope Jersey wins that lawsuit because I've said it from the beginning. They have fought us for the last 50 years, and who knows how much they have cost us, and now they want a piece of the action? I mean, I think it's just ridiculous. And I'll tell you one more thing. You look back and see who the investors are in, like, DraftKings, Mm -hmm. and a lot of guys from the NFL, Bob Kraft, uh, Jerry Jones. I know those. I think Arthur Blank. I think there's a ton of them who invest in this. And really, you want to talk about integrity? If it, if it's if you want to fix something, I'm not saying that's actually gone on. But if you do want to fix something, how much easier is it to fix? You know, a player scoring a touchdown or doing whatever, rather than fixing a whole game. It's infinitely easier to do that. And that's you know laid open the possibility with uh, with these fantasy leagues and that sort of thing. And uh, nobody said a word because they put up their money and they, they were a part of it. You know, and now they want to be a part of our racket, which, yeah. uh, you know what, if they want to be a part of it, they, they need to pay us big time to get involved. Chris, uh, with that, I, I just have one more piece to this, and it deals with the college side. And as you know, in our, our state, collegiate sports uh, certainly much bigger with Iowa and Iowa State. So, I understand. They are going to have to probably more education, more programs in place. They already were there, and they already talked about gambling and those kind of things. And we know if there is, oh, suddenly well, $500,000 on whoever Iowa State's playing, that's, that's odd, and the red flags will go up you know, conceivably out of nowhere. But the, the one thing I do wonder about is college athletes. And you have a big program there with UNLV. Are college athletes able to not bet their own game, obviously, but a, a basketball player for UNLV comes in, he wants to bet 100 bucks on Boise State against Nevada Reno. You know, something like that. They know the teams well, but it's not anybody that they're playing that night. Is that legal or is that something also that the NCAA, at least with your guys' jurisdiction, frowns upon? Well, in our jurisdiction, it's definitely frowned upon. Uh, and and we're supposed to know that, but you know that you know if one if somebody came in from you know like uh, like the baseball team who's mm-hmm. not you know the base baseball isn't nearly as and even football when you think about it most of the time you see these guys are in helmets oh, you don't know you can't really recognize them you know 
you're supposed to you know report it if you see some of those but you know in all honesty it's it's almost impossible to do but i think it goes back to the the NCAA and each individual university has to really educate these guys that they shouldn't be betting. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I would tell anybody that if, if you don't have your own source of income and disposable income, you shouldn't be betting anyway. And mm-hmm. most of these college kids, you know, they've been crying the blues, and I believe them. I'm, I'm really on their side as far as getting paid or some something, some sort of compensation. But then these kids should not be out betting. And, uh, you know, I would discourage it, and I would hope that there's uh, something being done either on the, or let's say both on the NCAA level and on the individual uh, collegiate level, besides having regulations in place, because the regs aren't really going to help that much. Just It's almost impossible uh, for us to know. Like I said, if a big kid came in, we don't know if he's a football player or not. He might, might just be, uh, you know, a construction worker or something. Right. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, let me just, uh, I'll end it with this, and mine is the NCAA, which has now said, well, uh, we, we've changed our minds, now we can have, uh, in, in states that will have legalized betting, we can now hold the Final Four. If that's the case, when the Raiders Stadium is finished, not only will they get a Super Bowl, Chris, but will they get an NCAA Final Four as well? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. You know, I mean, why would uh, we be um, why would we be excluded from that if there's going to be, you know, I mean, we're the Texas. You know, they have uh, I think you know probably a matter of time before Texas legalizes all this. California certainly, I would say, going to legalize it. Pennsylvania got legalized. I don't know if anybody's going to show up there, but they'll legalize it. Jersey probably same thing. New York, you know. So I'm not sure uh, why we would be. Um, you know, eliminated from the conversation. We seem like we would want to once the Raiders Stadium. I mean, I've seen plans for it. It looks fantastic, and uh, I'm not sure how many better venues there will be throughout the country. So I think we're a natural for that. Chris uh, took up a ton of your time today. Thanks, as always, for joining us in a monumental week here for degenerates like myself. Well, yeah, plus we've got uh, college football opening up next week, Trent. So I thought maybe you'd fly on out here. We've got uh, first week opening on Monday, uh, games of the year on Thursday, Mm -hmm. and season win totals next Sunday. So if you need a room, let me know, kid. I'll take care of it for you. There you go. You're talking Bring cash. Bring cash. uh, I I can take care of the rooms, but I can't take care of your bankroll. Wow. That bankroll's a problem. That's always the problem. I'm a radio guy, Chris. I understand. I understand. (laughs) Chris, hey, we, we appreciate your time so much we'll we'll try to catch up here the next week or two when those numbers come out and uh talk sure. a little bit more about them thank you so much today okay i'd love to no problem at all guys see you later chris andrews south point casino he's the sports book director there and just overall a wonderful wonderful guy one, one of my favorite people anywhere yep. chris andrews He's uh, he's terrific. He's been great to us since we started the show as well, and uh, and he's doing wonderful. Uh, he really is. The South Point is uh, you know one of the top places there, and now with the network, the the radio network that they have operating out of there, it even is a even wider footprint uh, for the South Point than what it was. Awesome, absolutely awesome, and yep. uh, great to get that perspective too. We've we've taken a look at this in a few different angles, getting Chris's perspective. And Vegas, they're happy about it. More people betting, more yeah. people that know about it. You know, and, and that's the other thing. I don't know if you remember Jim the first time that you went up to make a bet, going up to the counter. 
it's, I mean, I was anxious. There was a little bit of anxiety there. I'd bet plenty of times I'd called in a bet to a guy. I had done it online. But the first time you walk up to that window in Vegas and you got all the numbers above and you're not sure exactly, all right, what numbers do I give them? And you got people helping out. And I mean, it's it could be overwhelming. Well, it'll be different. And you can just go out to Prairie Meadows and make a few bets, and then when you get to Vegas, and you know what you're doing. And all right, I'm gonna take a gonna take a dime on 152, and I'm gonna take uh, two dimes on 328, and away you go. Hey, it'll be old hat by the time you get to Vegas. <laughs> you're probably right about that. And I do remember the first time I ever did it. Uh, I, I don't know how I how I felt about it because uh, it's so long ago, Trent. You know, it's. In the 1800s, my, my mind is pretty foggy now. But from that standpoint, I'm pretty sure that I was apprehensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're, and you walk up to the window and you're not really even sure how it works or, or really what to say. Like, I want to bet the Boston Celtics. And the guy looks at you and says, okay, here are six possibilities. Which one do you want or do you want all six? And you're going, what? <laughs> so I, you know, I, I'm sure when I first put my my money down for the very first time, I'm sure I've had anxiety just like you did. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be like going from the minor leagues up to the majors, and you go from, yeah, go yeah. from betting here to going out there and betting in Vegas. Going to be an awesome, awesome time. With that, Jim, we got to take a break. We are coming back on the other side here with you until six o'clock. We got Seth Gruen stopping by. We're going to talk some baseball with Seth, also a little Big Ten football with him. Here with you until 6, Jimmy B and TC on 1700. Welcome back, everybody. We roll all the way till 6 o'clock right here on the Big Talker 1700. Always good when we get a chance to catch up with Seth Gruen, and he joins us right now. Seth, good afternoon. How are you, pal? I'm great, guys. Enjoying this beautiful weather in Chicago. It's a good time after <laughs> the spring that yeah. we had and how long it took to get here. It's uh, it's good, certainly, but not so good times for the baseball teams there. Of course, the White Sox, not a whole lot of expectations coming into the year. The Cubs, on the other hand, it's been such an odd season for them, Seth. Uh, up and down, inconsistency out of the, the two guys they brought in to be part of that rotation, you Darvish and Tyler Chatwood. How would you describe right now the, the Cubs season to this point? Well, disappointing, underwhelming, uh, puzzling. I think, you know, all three of those are appropriate characterizations. The latter more appropriately because when you talk about you, Darvish, this is a guy who in theory has had good stuff. Um, Theo Epstein has said that himself. Uh, but the reality is that he hasn't been able to get past the fifth inning, which to me is indicative of a mental issue. I mean, I know that, that the Cubs are pushing this comparison to John Lester, who didn't start out all that well uh, in his first year in Chicago. But the reality was he wasn't getting a lot of movement on his fastball during that time period. His stuff was really low grade. Uh, I'm really concerned because, look, we've seen this go both ways. We've seen guys get over this mental hurdle, and we've seen guys succumb to it. Uh, I think a lot about Barry Zito, and, and even though this isn't a perfect comparison, what for, for whatever reason, what, what the U Darvis situation really reminds me of is what Chuck Knobloch went through in New York when he couldn't throw the ball to first base. Mm-hmm. And that's simply because I think Hugh Darvish just has this mental hurdle where he can't get over the fifth inning, and that's what I think he's going through right now. Um, let me just kind of follow up then with, with another Cubs question. 
Is there any reason, at least in your mind, why they are scuffling, getting out of out of the uh, out of the box a little more quickly? I think a lot of people thought that they would be much better. At least their record overall would be better than what it is now. Well, I, I think you know a, a situation like the U Darvish circumstance certainly puts burdens on other areas of your baseball team. Even though baseball is this confluence of individual events, the pitcher facing a batter, batter facing a pitcher, uh, you know, fly ball going to an outfielder, guys tend to press. And I think when you have a guy like you, Darvish, who you're really relying upon to get deep in a game, six, seven innings deep, you know, because he's a front-of-the-end, front-of-the-rotation type guy, that puts stress on your bullpen. And, you know, if, if we're not seeing it now, we'll certainly see it down the road when these guys are are having to have have more innings under their belt than we thought they would heading into October. I think what we've seen is that the freshest bullpen certainly uh, has the advantage, or the team with the freshest bullpen has the advantage. But then, you know, offensively, this team really isn't a great breaking ball hitting team. I think we saw that even in the year they won the World Series. Fortunately, Ben Zobris that year, had a really good year protecting Brian Rizzo because he, he, he actually is the best breaking ball hitter on that team. And then you look at the idea that they really don't have a bona fide leadoff hitter. Uh, and I think when you look at both teams in Chicago, whenever either team has had success, they've had that. Uh, whether you talk about the 2005 World Series champion White Sox with Scott Pitsednik, you know, the World Series Cubs with Dexter Fowler, of the 03 Cubs with Kenny Lofton, even though they, they made a trade in the middle of that year to get him. And even in 1998 with Lance Johnson, their most successful years, they've had a bona fide leadoff hitter, and that's because the weather, and I'm talking about the wind, is so unpredictable here. So there's certainly a lot of things going on with that team and that roster right now, and I can go on and on and on. Uh, but those things, to me, are, are top of the list. Seth, uh, a lot of people, the continued speculation, Manny Machado with the Orioles as their uh, disaster of a season continues on where he's going to land. There's been talking to the Cubs make sense for him and a lot of other teams. Now, I, I still question if the Cubs even have enough down in the farm system to, to get a guy of the caliber of Manny Machado. But as it sits right now, what are some possible destinations and, and what do you think is the best fit for him? Well, I think the Cubs still could be players in that deal. Do, do they have uh, the young players in their system like the Yankees or the Red Sox to make a deal? No, but they could still make a deal at the major league level. I'm not convinced at this point that Addison Russell is a long-term shortstop. I know as he was coming up, he was probably a little bit more consistent, more of a grinder than Javi Baez was in the minor leagues, but I think it's similar to the dynamic between Starlin Castro and Ryan Terrio. Terrio was a grinder, but Castro... Uh, at least in his earlier years, until he had, you know, fielding issues and mental lapses, was taking away a lot of would-be base hits, and I think that's what you have with Javi Baez. So I'm thinking more and more uh, that Javi Baez is the shortstop of the future for the Chicago Cubs, and then, you know, you say to yourself, what do you do with Addison Russell? Well, you know, this is a guy, don't forget, who had really, really lofty expectations, and I think Sometimes those lofty expectations can end up hurting a player when he's in his second and third year at the major league level. He hasn't come close to looking like Barry Larkin, and I thought that was a very, very unfair comparison. And I think the Cubs, when all said and done, might look at trading this guy. 
Like when the, when the rebuild was going on, I don't think you believe that all of those young players would end up uh, in Chicago long term. Jorge Soler was traded, and I think it's quite possible that they could throw Addison Russell or Addison Russell could be the cornerstone uh, of a deal to get Manny Machado, and 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 I think that would get the Orioles talking to the Cubs. In your estimation, will there be aside from Machado, will there be another big name that might get floated and dealt as well? I don't think this early we'll hear talk of it. Uh, Machado could be the best player in baseball right now when you talk about his ability to really hit for average um, and, and muscle the ball out of the ballpark. I, I don't know that we'll hear a bigger name. Big names are always thrown around. Um, I think that, obviously, you're going to see the Yankees go after some starting pitching close to the deadline. So we'll certainly hear those names percolate, but Manny Machado is certainly going to dominate headlines as we head into June and towards uh, towards trading season. It's uh, that time where, where the teams, uh, the, the gap it seems to be growing, but there are some teams off to surprising starts. The Cubs seeing one of them here the last couple of days in the Atlanta Braves. Ahead of schedule, if you will. When you, when you look at the squad overall and you look at Atlanta, do you see some staying power there? Is this one of the teams that we're still going to be talking about in September? No, I don't necessarily think so. Uh, not in that division. I think we've seen, actually particularly in that division with uh, the Phillies at times, look like they might be getting over that hump the Phillies just a few years ago. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot of staying power there. I think that when you look at the National League, I think 11 or 12 teams, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, are over 500 right now, which is somewhat atypical. And then you have the Dodgers, who uh, <laughs> look nowhere near there. Right. I think the law of averages is going to play out here. Um, I, I think that... I still believe in the Cubs as the NL Central Division champions, though obviously that division has gotten much, much better than it was just a few years ago and much more competitive. I don't think the Cubs are that elite team that's you know going to win the division by September 5th and really be able to coast uh, into October. Um, but I believe that the law of averages will play out here. I still believe in the Nationals in that division. I think they have the most talent. Um, I love the creativity. Uh, with leading off Bryce Harper. I'm a big fan of leading off with power, and, and that's certainly another discussion that we could have. Um, and I think actually that may be the answer for the Cubs, going back to their leadoff hitter conundrum. Um, but, but to answer your initial question about the Braves, do I think they have staying power? Probably not. I think we're seeing flashes of what they'll be capable of down the road, but it's still uh, you know a young team uh, that's in, in rebuild mode. Seth, I'm real curious because you referenced you had uh, faith in the Washington Nationals, and they kind of have turned it around here quickly. Uh, they were going to have a great two-game series with the New York Yankees, got washed out. So right now, in the American League, everybody knows about the Astros. They are the defending World Series champions. But are the Yankees right now, with the team that they have, the team to beat in the American League? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think you could discount the Red Sox either with all the talent they have okay. on that roster. I, I, I think that it's going to be one of those really, really competitive Octobers. I, I think I said it on your program just a few years ago that we're entering a really special era of baseball where some marquee teams certainly have a lot of talent. I, I think when you look at 
uh, what Brian Cashman did, not only this offseason, but when they really waved the white flag for the first time, at least really in my lifetime, and saying that, that we're going to be buyers, and they went and, and traded Araldus Chapman and got, well, at the time of Glaber Torres' injury, he was uh, the second-best prospect in baseball. I think Brian Cashman has proven that he can do more than right checks. I think they've got unbelievable talent up and down that roster. Torres, Frazier was just called up. Uh, obviously, Stanton, Judge. I mean, you know, it, it sounds like the, the, the Tory Yankees of the early 2000s when you when you hear all those marquee names, even though a lot of those guys are young guys. We could be on the precipice of another Yankees dynasty. Are they the team to beat in the AL? I, I just have such a tough time answering that question because there's so much talent just a, a few hours away in Boston as well. Uh, this conversation is sickening me, absolutely sickening me. I don't want to, don't want to hear about it at all. Hey, uh, last thing on, on baseball, we'll get into a little Big Ten talk with you, Seth, before we let you run. Uh, in the American League Central, now the Indians are at 500. The Twins right behind them, a couple games under 500. Is this at least a race all season long? The Indians appear to still be the class of the division. Do you expect a fight there? It looks like neither of those teams, whoever doesn't win the division, is going to get a wild card. Race all season long, or the Indians pull away? I think it's a race. The Twins need to get a catcher, obviously. But mm-hmm. I, I, I still believe that the Indians are the class of that division. Pitching they have. Um, but certainly, Trent, uh, and I know you want to hear this, the Twins have turned it around. Yeah. And, and I don't think that this is one of those teams that people expected to be competitive this quickly. They, they basically had, like, one off year, decided to go into a quote-unquote rebuild, and the rebuild basically looked like what it did in, in 2015 when they were competitive. So, um, you know, hats off to that organization. They always seem to find their way. I, I think they will be competitive. Um, but but I'd agree with your assessment. The Indians are the class of that division. Okay, let's move then to uh, some college football and some Big Ten stuff. Look, I'm I'm getting a real kick out of this war of words between Scott Frost and Saban at Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you've seen it. Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. Do you find it interesting as well? I mean, I just heard you smirking a little bit, so I, I think it's pretty interesting. I, I I get a kick out of it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think anybody really has a lot of ground to stand on when it comes to any sort of war as far as college football is concerned with with Nick Saban. I think what Scott Frost is really trying to do is draw attention to really the unfair cast system that exists in college football, and and I think as Big Ten fans, um, Big 12 fans, if if you're an Iowa State fan, obviously, for half your listeners, it, 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 it doesn't really resonate, but it's not very democratic, and it's, it's truly the only sport where a team uh, can sit there at the beginning of the year and say, we can win all our games. We can play all the teams on our schedule and pound on them. And still and I have a chance to win a championship. And I think that's grossly unfair. Um, it, it's unfair because these big schools don't want to play the UCF, UC, UCF of the world simply because there's no upside for them. You know, it's it, it lose-lose. They don't get credit for the win. And if they lose, obviously, uh, it does major damage to, to that big school, that Power 5 school's chance of winning the national championship. So war of words, certainly I think that Alabama is the bona fide 
national champion. And I don't think UCF has a ton of ground to stand on in terms of they beat Alabama on a neutral field. But I think Scott Frost has accomplished his goal, which is on his way out to draw attention to how unfair some of these mid-major teams are treated. And that, that's why they're a group of five, I should say. And that's why, you know, they're thinking of going to a group of five national championship. But I'd love to see the playoff expanded. Um, you know, I know many college football fans got what they want with the college football playoff system, but I'd love to see some of these group of five teams, you know, go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and get to take on a, a top-seeded Alabama in a playoff scenario and see what happens. I think that's what makes the NCAA tournament so special. The Big Ten this season, Seth, looks to be incredibly deep. Uh, a lot of rankings that continue to uh, kind of pile out here after spring practice is wrapped up, and, and you see as many as five teams in the top 15 from the Big Ten. A concern, though, that that's going to lead to everybody beating up on each other and, well, there won't be anybody left standing in the college football playoff? Yeah, I mean, look, everybody loves to hate on the Big Ten. The Big Ten never gets credit for being a great conference when the teams do beat up on each other. So I have that concern from that perspective. Uh, I still believe that Ohio State is probably pretty far ahead of everybody else. I believe Wisconsin is significantly even further. The gap is even larger between Wisconsin and whoever you believe to be that second-best team in the West. It's probably Iowa given that Clayton Thorson's future at Northwestern is uncertain with that knee injury. So is there concern, yeah, to some degree, just from a, a, a perspective of totality for the conference? But um, when all said and done, I expect still the Big Ten to send a team to the college football playoff this year. I believe last year was an aberration. Uh, two questions then for you. Michigan and Northwestern. Northwestern has been showing off their new digs, all of the, uh, the brand new workout facilities, right on the edge of the lake, all of that. How will that help in recruiting? And at Michigan, now they're talking about giving Harbaugh a lifetime contract. Uh, is that just smokescreen or do you think there's something really behind it? Well, to answer the first question, Pretty quickly, you, you got to have it um, if you're a Power 5 uh, football team. you, you, you got to have it. Um, every team has these state-of-the-art uh, football facilities and basketball facilities, for that matter. Um, it, it, it's a necessity with the game and the players' lounges. I mean, I've YouTube these things. They're crazy. It's like, it's like being on a five-star resort. Um, but you, you got to have it. So will it help in recruiting? Yeah, it'll certainly help even the playing field, although I think Pat Fitzgerald gets a lot of credit and should get a lot of credit for how he sold that program. Um, as far as your question was about Michigan, um, correct, Michigan? Yes, Michigan, yep. Well, I think obviously the Shea Patterson news helps. Um, you know, they're going to have a battle there on that offensive line. They have some spots to fill. Um, he obviously is pretty good moving in the pocket and has some experience. So, you know, Jim Harbaugh, has that that molded quarterback but I, now i remember your question was about the lifetime contracts um right. going to talk about that on the podcast that drops tomorrow but you know I, I don't get it i don't get why you know what what has jim harbaugh done to deserve that at this point i mean, I, I don't get it i think it's it's nuts i think it's ludicrous and you know i don't know if Ward manual answered that question in the context also of john beeline 
who certainly deserves that extension that seems to be coming really within days. But they're paying Jim Har- Jim Harbaugh as the third highest paid coach nationally, and has not beaten Ohio State and has not won a Big Ten championship. Are you really going to pay him that kind of money to finish third in the Big Ten East? I don't get it. And, and I don't know why he's getting that vote of confidence when just about everybody else has no confidence in him right now. Can, can, can Michigan win under Jim Harbaugh? Sure, but, but they haven't yet. So to me, that's baffling, baffling. That's Seth Gruen. Hey, Seth, you uh, you mentioned the podcast. Let people know again where they can catch that one and go back to a past episode and hear your man Trent Condon. Yeah, yeah. go to vsporto.com. Uh, Trent jumped down and really drilled into Nate Stanley. That was a real interesting conversation. I think uh, that Stanley and that Iowa offense are, are truly one of the interesting storylines heading into the fall. So you go to vsporto.com, just search Big Ten Unfiltered, and you can hear uh, Trent and I uh, talking, mostly Trent, talking some Iowa football. Good stuff. Hey, Seth, as always, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, guys. That's Seth Gruen. You can find his work on baseball with Bleacher Report and the Big Ten Unfiltered podcast. And always fun when I hop on and, and talk a little Hawks with uh, Seth on that side of things uh, with him on the podcast. Jimmy B, football season, the over-unders continue to come out. We'll get some Vegas numbers and uh, a whole lot more. Going to be a good one, Jim. Football season, got to get through these months, but, you know, it'll be here before we know it, right? Please tell me yes. Uh, I I don't want summer to go away after the spring and winter that we just had, Trent. No. Nah, you'll no, be fine. look, I, I love football. I do. You know I do. And I can't wait for it to begin. But, man, let me enjoy some warmth and some summertime action before we already start to kick it off. Please. Please, give me a couple months, and then we can start yelling at each other again. Uh, okay. No? That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I, I'm not going to wish away my summer either. We're taking the break. Coming back with break. Coming back with more on the other side with you until 6 o'clock here tonight. Jimmy B and TC. All right, Trent. Time for us to get out of here. Uh, we only have like about a minute or so left. Uh, look, I... I know it's not a big sports night other than Major League Baseball, but there is the Eastern Conference Final in the NHL with Tampa Bay and Washington. I am going to be tuned in to that, and yes, I will now sample some Major League Baseball as well. What are you up to? Well, not not a whole lot sports-wise. Actually, uh, heading up to Ames uh, for the kickoff of the Special Olympics. They have their opening ceremonies tonight, so going to be up there for that. Going to be uh, a good time and, and always love that. Of course, you know, a long time a teacher in the special ed yes. community so excited to get up there for the special olympics always a great time up there that'll be my evening so you'll have to keep me capped if you're looking for the cubs well you're going to be shut out no mlb network a blackout will <laughs> be there so uh yeah a late night of sports but we'll be back tomorrow with a, a quasi football fright we'll talk some football tomorrow and you're off tomorrow you're going to be uh, vacationing so enjoy your three-day weekend my man Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. Work is what it is. You know me. I'm always busy. Not just And with that, (laughs) now stop laughing. Okay. Stop laughing. (laughs) And with that, we are out here, everybody. Uh, Back again tomorrow, bright and early, 4 o'clock in the afternoon on the Big Talker 1700.